right, ladies and gentlemen, this is PJ Alex, your friendly neighborhood podcast host, and hi, welcome to Virtual Dopeness. It's been a long time since I said that. Let me explain where the heck I've been. So, I have been in my house, like everybody else. Everybody else during the pandemic, Panchetta, has been kind of starting their podcast, starting their vlogs, starting their new business. I kind of shut down on mine. A couple different reasons here. One, wasn't in the headspace. Not going to lie to you. Up here, things were going wild. Two, I wanted to kind of retool and bring a different quality to virtual dopeness. One in video, two in audio, three, just allowing things to happen. Another reason I have been gone is just because I wanted to bring and figure out what I needed from this podcast. Because if I could figure out what I needed from it, I knew what I could give to it. And I know what I could give to it, somebody else will want to hear from it as well. Did that make sense? Hopefully it did, because it didn't to me. Who cares? It's my podcast. I can do what I want. Uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I, there are rules, but just know that I'm here to give you guys a conversation about the things that I love. Am I a jack-of-all-trades, master of none? Not really. I mastered a couple. I'm good at a few things. I'm really good at a really few things. And I'm awesome at a lot of things. So I want to share those with you. I have opinions. I have ideas. I have crazy theories about everything. Well, maybe not everything, but the things that I care about. So I'm here to talk movies, media, technology, music, pretty much anything that you can consume and give you anything that I feel like we need to shine a spotlight on. Also, I'll slow down the speech as well. Maybe even get down to my sexy voice. But I kid. Nevertheless, you'll notice that it's me, myself, and I. Does that mean that I'm done with guests and co-hosts for right now? I, for, for co-hosts, I'm done for right now. But for guests, not at all. The format going forward will be just the conversation. Whether that conversation is just you and me talking, that would be awesome. If I can bring in somebody to shed some light on something cool, or maybe they're doing something cool, I'd love to have that. But going forward, I really just want to start to build up just me. And hopefully you guys will stick around for that. I want to give a shout out to the people who told me that that was possible. I spent a lot of time looking for another co-host because I realized it's very difficult to have be so passionate about something and then not have somebody have that equal passion with you. And they want to they want to work with you because they care about you. They're your friends. They're your family. But they don't necessarily want to put in that same amount of time. They have other priorities and there's nothing wrong with that. I loved my past co-hosts. I love my past guests. But I realized if I want to do this podcast and do this right and build it to where I want it to be, I've got to push forward and not use the excuse of, oh, I didn't have somebody to do it with me. Does that stop anybody else? No. At the end of the day, are you going to be responsible for yourself? Yep. So that's pretty much where I am. Uh, as far as how often the podcast will come out, working on that. 
<laughs> I'm working on a schedule. I'd love for this to be the only thing that I have to do. But during the last set of time since the last podcast, I've had gotten a new job, gotten some new responsibilities, I've gotten back active in some things that I haven't been active in a long time. For my own mental sanity, this podcast is going to be a little regular sometimes. But I don't want to leave you without a dope beat to step two. Step two. Step, step. Okay, I'm done. I promise. For right now. <laughs> I'm still my same corny self. Just a little bit older, a little bit wiser. And I want you guys to have this conversation with me about all the cool things that are out and all the cool things that I have de- dove into. Music. Still digital, still reigning supreme, but it's consumed in a bunch of different ways now. Movies, they had to take a quick sidestep to figure out how to stay alive. And some people have even theorized that movie theaters and the movie going experience, with the exception of like the huge set pieces from Marvel or Pirates of the Caribbean, not so much right now, but you get what I mean. But Aside from those huge sci-fi flicks, Avatar 2 being announced, do you really need to go to a theater? Do you really need to see Citizen Kane in a theater? Do you even need to really see King Richard in a theater? We'll dive into that, but I still love the medium. I still love the art form, so we're going to talk about it. Television. I think everybody is now in the binge everything category whether it's trash reality television and dating shows, which we all kind of (laughs) love, or if it's the newest from Marvel that leads into a movie and how they tie their their stuff together, or is it your normal procedural dramas, your law and orders, your NCISs? So we'll we'll get into that. And then technology. Technology is the thing that drives our lives. Whether you like it or not, we're never going back to the old days. The internet, for all intents and purposes, is not going anywhere. Even if it goes down, Starlink's up there. You don't think that Elon doesn't have a switch that if all of the cables, for some reason, traversing the the, the floor of the ocean. Also, I just got distracted by something going on outside. Of course, nothing... Nothing normal happens while I'm recording, but you don't think Elon has, if all those wires got cut and servers that he has a button on Starlink that says, bring that internet back up. And the only way you're going to be able to access it through Twitter, conspiracy theories, folks, just talking here. Hopefully I don't get like blown up tomorrow, but I say all that to say, I want to talk about those things with you. I'm getting excited just sitting here, walking into this podcast, and I'm going to be a lot more transparent. I I feel like that this is now partially my secondary therapy session because we'll talk about therapy on here as well because it brought me back to the mental space where I was able to sit down and do a podcast again. I really think the world can help each other through just communication. So that's where we're starting everything right now. Let's have these conversations about the things each one of us love, the stuff that you are got you guys are turn, tuning into. And I'm super excited for all of it. So with that being said and no further ado, welcome back. And welcome to the 
Refresh, the new, episode one of Virtual Dopeness. So let's get into it, guys. I felt good. I felt good to you guys, too. <laughs> like I said, this conversation is now going to be for myself. So I'm picking some topics. And if you see me on the video, congratulations. I don't know how you got to the channel. <laughs> Hopefully I can do some promoting. But I want to talk through the things that I love, the things that I have been reaching into lately. And the greatest part about the internet and the greatest part about this medium of podcasting is it doesn't necessarily have to be right now, current events in time. I can talk to you about the things that are going on with me right now and the things that I've gotten into, which sometimes is revisiting those things that I've loved and never fully explored. So TV-wise, I've been doing a couple things. TV and movies, we have the ability to now relive awesome moments from either our childhood or from past couple years distilled down and access them anytime we went through through all of the streaming services, which I mean, immediately pisses us off because if you're paying, we went through this big change of cutting the cord a couple years ago and we're all cutting the cord to get away from paying high cable fees and we're just getting internet and now we're getting our streaming services. Well, I love seeing the meme of the Captain Planet when you have Disney Plus, Hulu, and Netflix, Paramount Plus, and May Our Powers Combined, we're now the same friggin' price as cable. It's true. Nobody can, nobody can dispute that. Now, they're even trying to crack down on us sharing passwords. I know right now I pay for a bunch of streaming services. Why? Because I'm allowing myself and I just realized there was mad feedback coming on. Hopefully you guys didn't hear it. Um, <laughs> the reason why I pay for them is because I want to take the burden off my parents. My parents have paid for me my entire life, not in the way where I'm like some silver spoon child, but they, I've never wanted for anything. And I'd love to give back to my parents as much as possible. So if I grip up a couple of different streaming services is not going to kill me. If they want my Amazon Prime and they, my mom wants to go through and binge watch Downton Abbey, that means I ain't got to do it. I feel bad for my dad because he's got to sit through it. But he's going to go on there and watch Westerns. He's going to enjoy that. They're going to watch movies together. My mom and I, over Christmas, got to sit down and watch uh, West Side Story together. It was actually me and my mom and my girlfriend all watched West Side Story together and enjoyed the hell out. Well, two of us enjoyed it. <laughs> but I will say, it, it, truth be told, it wasn't as good as the original. I am a sucker for musicals. Absolute sucker for musicals. Um, I think I've talked previous episodes. Um, if you want to hop in the Wayback Machine about how I enjoyed Glee. And until it got a little out of the box, I should say, it, it got a little not only like preachy but it also got kind of it jumped the shark 100% jumped the shark where things were just kind of unbelievable for high school students now I say that and euphoria is still a show so I've been also in love with euphoria but one of the things that I've run into recently 
is I have rewatched and call me 80 years old if you want to. I am now poised to watch the last episode of MASH after going through all 11 seasons, watching it from the beginning, watching it from the original cast after the cast changed and they rotated out people. It has been a truly enjoyable experience. And I feel like there are some, there are definitely some themes that need to be redone. Would the United States government military industrial complex allow a show like MASH to be remade? Hell no. Straight up. It's not going to happen. Which is confusing because they've remade damn near everything else. They've remade in different ways Friends. They've remade The Office. They've remade much more recent things. Seinfeld, essentially. Um, They've remade all these things. But they haven't ever touched the show that held the record for the most watched finale in history for many years. I don't, I still have to research to see if they, if they have more of it. I mean, if they haven't updated on that, cause I think maybe friends and Seinfeld came up and maybe knocked that out, but I'm not sure about that. But if you think about it, they've remade stupid things. We have 74 fantastic fours. And for the most part, they all suck. Kidding. Of course. Kind of. But they've never touched MASH. And it's probably due to the reason that the U.S. government and military has very specific copyright controls on being able to use militarized vehicles, military symbols, and things like that to stop television shows from producing things that they wouldn't want to. MASH was a commentary on the Vietnam War using the Korean War as a vehicle. And a lot of the themes, a lot of the conversations that they had rung true in Vietnam. So it was almost protest could be viewed as a protest and not a celebration, just full-on rah-rah celebration of war. (laughs) My Apple Watch, I'm talking so much with my hands, my Apple Watch thinks I'm swimming. Hopefully you guys are somewhat entertained by that. So they used MASH as a vehicle, even though the Korean War, I think, lasted like super short amount of time. I want to say it's three years and MASH went on for 11 seasons. It was okay because the commentary and the themes lived on. There are plenty of places to laugh. I used to get asked a question, what is the one moment in movie or television that will make you cry every time. I think I found two. One is in Avengers Endgame when Peter Parker is about to get, spoiler alert, snapped out of existence. And he looks at Tony Stark and says, Mr. Stark, I don't feel so good. Kills me every time, dude. Kills me. Almost well up. Almost. But for sure... At the end of MASH season three, it's either two or three, there is a character that exits and he exits in a specific way and it's a spoiler alert, he dies. But the way it's announced and the reaction of the cast is so gut-wrenching, is so sad 
that it brings forth such emotion, that's really the only thing that makes me tear up every single time. Whether it's a rerun and it's the last five minutes on television or I watched the full episode. I knew it was coming. And it still got me. But I say that to say they tackled so many different things. Racism, homosexuality in the military and homophobia, um, sexism, women being equal, xenophobia, you name it, they addressed it. And for a show that came out when it did, it's kind of amazing if you think about it. They had, now, there's a couple things that are a little off. You can tell, like, okay, guys, why is this here? But it was also a different time. They had a black doctor in the first season. I don't think it was just a pilot, but it was in the, he was in the first season. He was actually in the movie as well. Everybody has a nickname. So Hawkeye Pierce, BJ Honeycutt. The Black Doctor's nickname is Spear Chucker Jones. I mean, his last name is Jones. But his, his, his nickname is Spear Chucker. It's a different time, guys. But at least it was a Black Doctor. The thing that drove me nuts about it is they eliminate him from the cast. They also eliminate the Black, the, the main character, Black Nurse. And then kind of brought in a Hawaiian uh, nurse, which was interesting. It was a minority. And they do have some off-color things, but they call out people for being for using terms that are derogatory toward minorities, especially Asian minorities, because they're in Korea. So these things weren't heard of, and it's enjoyable to see. It's also a very well-crafted show. Now, I know what you're saying. How do you get past the intro? <laughs> because as we were growing up, MASH was the thing that came on after all the other shows were going off. Well, guess what? Paul was an insomniac. PJ was an insomniac. That's how I was up watching MASH. I had a TV, didn't turn it off, couldn't really watch Comic View because I didn't want to get in trouble. The only thing on was MASH, and so everybody else was going to sleep. I stayed up, and I got those laughs. That stuck with me to this age. So now... The two-hour finale is happening. I'm considering... I don't, I'm don't. i not a big fan of the movie, to tell you the truth. The movie is a little bit hard to watch for me because it's not really... There's a storyline, but as with a lot of movies, there's a lot going on that can kind of take you out of the film. So I'm not a big fan of it. There's also a book, because the movie was based on a book. The TV show is based on the movie. I'm thinking about going back and being my normal fanboy of audiobooks and listening to it. See what, see how I enjoy it. I've also flirted with the spin-off series. There are they're extremely hard to find. Um, but there are three. One that follows Walter O'Reilly, who was the company clerk, fan favorite, um, boyish kid who became a man. Uh, the second one is a show called Aftermash. I believe it only lasted two seasons. That followed um Corporal Klinger, who took over for, who wore dresses for most of the, the first part of the series, and then took over, over for uh, Radar when he left, and Father Mulcahy and um, Colonel Potter. That's called Aftermash. I believe there was a bunch of cameos and things. 
So after that, it kind of takes on its own life, but it didn't last that long. There was also a show called Trapper John MD, which followed a character that left during the transition to the third season as well. And, but it did not star the same character. It lasted six seasons. I want to go back and take a look. Anyway, I will say while rewatching this, there are some things that hold up and some things that don't, but that's really any older TV show. I implore people to give it a chance. Give it a chance. You may enjoy it. Some of the early seasons, some people really are split. I've been doing some dives into the Reddit on MASH. And some people are split. They're like, oh, before Alan Alda took over, who Alan Alda, I believe, is the only still living cast member who is awesome in a lot of other things, too. Um, but before he took over, the show was funnier and it was goofier. And then it got all serious. Eh, it got serious sometimes. But it also became really good TV in good moments. Uh, do I miss the goofiness of the first couple seasons? Yes. Do I love how the characters developed? Do I love how the characters kept going and evolved? I love that. I love it all. So that being said, this has been a really good uptick. So go watch it. If you ain't got nothing better to do, use it as a show to just pass some time mindlessly. And you got a lot of it. And like I said, there's 11 seasons and I believe they're all, 20 plus episodes except for the last two seasons and then the last season is 16 episodes with a two hour finale two hours so with that being said we'll move on to another show things don't change with me i change i evolve i grow i am still a childish gambino fanboy a donald glover stan for life uh, I still haven't read the interview where he interviews himself, so I'm not talking about that and whatever he says on race. Some people see it problematic. Some people see it as, hey, he was brought up differently. And I think that's what attracted me in the first place. But like I said, I haven't read his views. I don't know what he's saying yet, but I'll go back. We'll talk about it another time. I'm here to talk about Atlanta. Atlanta this season Long awaited. I think we've waited four years for it. It's almost like a Kendrick album. Kendrick just dropped music. I love the new song, but we'll get there when the rest of the project drops this week, I believe. This season of Atlanta has been slightly different. They have been interlacing their standalone episodes where it's not characters of the main plot, but it's different things, different uh, commentaries, short films, really interlaced with the episodes of their wacky, zany, insane adventures as everyone has grown up. They're not broke anymore. Paperboy is taking off and touring Europe, killing it. They are not dying anymore of just trying to make it. They're now in a place where they got some money. They got some bread. They're touring. They're doing what they need to do. I love the way that they're approaching the storytelling. They are setting up so many things. I think this is really attributed to them being able, Donald Glover sitting down and forcing himself to write season three and four at the same time. Because we've waited so long, getting through season three and season four, he can allow himself to open up the storytelling. 
he is allowing himself to get to setting up, hey, something weird is going on with Van. Hey, Paperboy is going through some things and needs some help. Hey, Darius still Darius. Lakeith Stainfield is still Lakeith Stainfield in this show. This man, what? What is going on here? But having these other little caveat episodes where it's not the main characters, it's themes that they're going around. A lot of themes around racism, a lot of themes around the black experience, and I think it's pretty cool. It's painting, and somebody compared it, I forget who I was listening to, I think it was one of the guys from My Homeboys Podcast, it actually was, shout out to Twan, shout out to the whole team of My Homeboys Podcast, they, we had an in-depth conversation at Twan's birthday um, about how they are setting up different scenarios and setting up almost an MCU, a a universe within Atlanta where these things actually make sense. Because when you have to apply reality on top of something, you get into the science fiction and fantasy really easily. But if you put it in a world where these things are commonplace and normal, it's not so crazy. It's absolutely not so crazy. And it's really interesting. We've had some really cool episodes. There is a episode, I'm not going to spoil too much, because I really want you guys to go and enjoy it. There's an episode on reparations that is wild and says a lot about uh, when the white person realizes why black people are so angry. It really takes a turn, because that one guy who figures it out goes off the deep end. It's kind of crazy. Uh, the other episodes we had that kind of dealt with the Haitian nanny, that was insane. I also had some really cool reactions from people who are of island, Caribbean, Jamaican, Trinidadian, Bayesian descent. I've had some conversations with them. It's been really cool. They've enjoyed it. I've heard mixed and great reviews. I think everybody should take a chance to go watch it and pull somebody else in because the conversations that will spawn from it, from just those one-off episodes, especially uh, especially the, the reparations episode, the Lake Lanier episode was interesting because it incorporated, it was like a story told in memes. And I don't think a lot of people caught that the first time around, but you could go back and find the memes of each one of those different things and the actual news story that, that is based on it's really dope a lot of cool information and it's just a dope experience if you enjoyed black mirror you'll enjoy this there are other shows that are that are episodic and and kind of uh self-contained like this i think those stand out a lot of times instead of pushing your storyline along you take a step back and take the audience on a journey I've never been locked into a show, well, maybe not since The Wire, where you're just in it. Uh, the Wire, Game of Thrones, um, Skins for me, but I think Skins took more of a, a personal, I'm a sucker for coming, age, coming of age stories. And I talked about that when I was comparing Skins and Euphoria, which they continue to parallel each other. So it's not, it's just pushing the envelope further. 
Um, I want to have a whole nother conversation about skins with you guys because skins is just nuts. And I've never, I haven't been so stressed in an episode of TV in so long. So with that being said, Atlanta killing it this season. I almost don't want it to end. I feel like Donald Glover is going to knock some more stuff out the park. And it's not just him. His team is writing on this. It's his brother. It's his boy Swank. It's a lot of people are putting their ideas out there and he's giving them a platform to either write, direct, edit probably um, these different short films, which is going to put people on for life. It's really going to set people up. And it's not just his, it's not just everybody's dependent on Donald. It's Donald empowers and he must be doing education of some sort or at least getting people to understand the tools that you need of storytelling, the tools that you need of visual, the tools that you need of dialogue, writing to pull people in. Because it's not just him, it's not just Hero. He's got some people and some heaters behind him that it wouldn't surprise me if these other folks go on to do equally as amazing things. So that's Atlanta, man. That's that's It's been awesome. Uh, so let's transition a little bit. Let's talk about what I'm listening to. It's the summer. It's getting hot outside, even though Georgia wants to do this weird bounce and balancing act, which I don't understand. It's kind of killing me. It's killing my allergies for sure. Um, I also had surgery on my finger, and then cold affects it. It's it's weird. I don't know. I still have to go back. A couple of albums that have come out. Push, I'm still giving some more time. It's it's cool. The song with him, Lil Uzi Vert, and Don Tolliver, Roddy Rich, can't remember which one. We'll go in depth on the album later. It's cool. Um, but I don't think it's it's gonna really like fully engulf me. What I've been listening to lately and what I keep putting people on, I I don't uh, I think I've talked about it before. My cousin is one of my biggest uh, musical influences. My both of my, all of my cousins really because they were the same age as my sister, so they are being nine, seven, eight, nine, ten years, seven, eight, nine, ten years older than me. They all put me into music that I wouldn't have listened to. They were in it for the the births of hip hop. They were in it and enjoying it. They were young when hip-hop was born. They grew up in the era that is the golden age of hip-hop, and they put me onto it. When I brought them, they brought me Wu-Tang, and I brought them back Dr. Dre because they were so heavily entrenched in the East Coast, they didn't give West Coast a try at first. So my young ears, I was listening to the pop stuff and would bring stuff to them. They would bring stuff to me, and I've always had amazing talks. The first thing that I go home and talk to my Uncle Mike, not Uncle Mike, Jesus, Christmas, Cousin Mike, uh, <laughs> when I go home and talk to him, we talk about his kids, we talk about the family, how he's doing, how he's living, and always, 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 I bring up to him, what are you listening to? He's put me on stuff, he's put me on people, 
He the one to put me on Action Bronson. He's the one that put me on, I believe, Benny the Butcher. He put me on a lot of stuff. I got to, I took this album and responded to him, go listen to this. Go, please pick this up. It is Smoke Dizza, Wiz Khalifa, Big Crit, and Girl Talk. Girl Talk, let me tell you right now, if you don't know Girl Talk, you're missing out. Straight up, missing out. I was introduced to Girl Talk at Coachella because I was like, I was waiting on the headliner. He was right before the headliner one night. I think it was the first or second Coachella I went to. And I'm listening to him. He's killing, rocking. And then he brings out Buster. And then he brings out Freeway. And then he brought out somebody else. He just kept bringing folks out. I was like, oh, this, this, this white boy knows. What is going on here? What are you doing? Oh, you're killing it. I'm, I'm good with this. So... With that being said, when I heard that this album was coming out, I didn't know it was coming out at all. I hadn't had my ear to the streets. I just opened up iTunes. I was like, all right, what's new? And I saw this album called Full Court Press. And I saw the lineup. Wiz Khalifa, Smoke Dizza, Big Crit, and Girl Talk. I've, I've been, I love this album. I've been banging this album nonstop. It has... Wiz-esque tracks, it has crit tracks, it has Dizza tracks, it has ensemble tracks. The production on it, bananas. You can tell Girl Talk was in there, working. Crit was in there, working. If you needed some, your dose of crit, do it. Fly to Coop could be right in there with my sub. Killing. Every day, featuring Currency. I know Currency fans are some of the most loyal. Currency fans, I always talked about people with loyal, 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 die-hard fan bases, Nipsey, Currency. Um, uh, Wiz could be in that category, but Wiz got extremely mainstream as well. Not, not a bad thing, but I'm just saying he gained more fans, but also had his Mac Miller is another good example of people who would ride, ride, ride for their artists. Uh, we had, uh, what was the other guy? There, there's always, the guy who had every summer anthem that LA was obsessed with. Um, I'll get it. I'll come back to it. But those people have hardcore followings. If you enjoy that, it's in here. There is the Wiz Khalifa track. Um, I, saw, I, I say certain Wiz, like certain tracks, because, like, Ready for Love is just Girl Talk and Wiz. Uh, Fly to Coop is just Big Crit and Girl Talk. Uh, Smoke Desert Season is just Girl Talk and Smoke Desert. So everybody has their chance to shine. But also the ensemble tracks, like No Single um, and Revenge of the Cool, rock. They are rocking. And th these guys play so well together that it's amazing. The Down South... The up north all blends into something beautiful. And this is something that you can rock. It came out at the perfect time because it is a windows down, sunroof back, top down, if you got it, album for you to enjoy. You put this on, just let it rock top to bottom. At the party, nobody, the perfect like party background, a little bit of turn up, a little bit of dance, all is going to be enveloped in this album it is super dope so no complaints 
you have not listened to it, please go out. Please go out. Give it a spin. Pick up your favorite ones. I said my favorites, Fly to Coop, which is Crit, Ready for Love, Revenge of the Cool. There's some cool dope storytelling in here about haters, pretty much. There is some uh, tracks for some girls. It's got everything. I feel like it's also not being mentioned as much. And that's what it hurts me a little bit because I feel like Smoke Dizza, just taking it back, Smoke Dizza, I was introduced to via one of my close homies um, who's out in the Bay right now, Frat Brother, and even Morehouse Brother before being Frat Brother. David and I went to AC3 or A3C, A3C, AC3, it's one of the two, the big music conference in Atlanta. Um, that happens usually for about a week um, in October, comparable to like a music conference slash like concert um, slash festival. I had never heard of Smoke Dizzle before, except for on one track. And it was actually the track that introduced me. It was a Smoke Dizzle track that introduced me to Danny Brown. Um, before One Train and before um, a lot of his other stuff. But Smoke Dizza has been pro- constantly producing really good music that I feel like keeps traveling underground. I feel like nothing is really hooked and hit for him. Um, but he's been consistent. He is he he deserves what he has and deserves anything that's coming to him because he's he's good. And he also he gives me if you are a Pusha T fan, it's funny I started off talking about this with Pusha T. I feel like you'll enjoy Smoke Desert. It? It's it's Smoke. It's it is Pusha T, not as clever with the Coke bars, but still very clever bars, similar cadence, similar almost voice tone to Pusha, and I enjoy him wholeheartedly. So I I'd love to hear more of that. So. I say all that to, to put a button on this. Go listen to this album. Go enjoy it. Pick a nice sunny day. I know it's probably like snowed like 20 minutes ago in Pennsylvania or New York. If you're up north, wait till July when it's finally warm. If you're in Atlanta, pick one of the days where it bounces from 45 degrees to 93 degrees for no abrupt reason. And just go out hit a park, cruise around in your car, listen to this album, get down, and enjoy. Thank me later. (laughs) But speaking of the ways that you consume music, something has really come, is interesting to me, and it's been an advent of TikTok. I know people are probably sick of hearing about TikTok and Twitter and everything else. But honestly and truthfully, I really enjoy, I enjoy TikTok. Call me a 12-year-old if you want, want, want to whatever. I enjoy the hell out of TikTok for the mere simple fact that it's mindless, that you can kind of either learn something, you get customized by the things that you're actually listening to and looking at and spending time looking at, and you can kind of control your destiny, choose your own adventure by what you like and what you pay attention to. I've enjoyed the heck out of music TikTok. And the funniest part about TikTok is when 
these Gen Z Zennials, whatever the younger generation that TikTok is targeted at, finds a song that is an old song that gets a TikTok trend and gets an immediate boost. I was with some friends and I was listening to uh, Lost by, I was just looking at the top charts. That's what I was doing on Apple Music where you could pick different cities and see the top songs. And I started looking at them and for some reason, they all had Lost by Frank Ocean on it and off of Channel Orange. And I was like, what in the flip? Why? Why is this trending all across the country? Oh, I do my Googles. It's a TikTok trend. It's a dance. Same thing happened with, I believe it was either Red, uh, well, Redbone, Redbone's always going to trend. But the same thing happened with uh, the Cherish song. A DJ picked it up and he got called out for it. Cherish, um, do it. Uh, cute song. Outlined some of my best college memories because it was, we was leaning and rocking and snapping with it till our fingers hurt. <laughs> Fabo was a god. Figure it out later. But we were doing that and Cherish, do it, um, got picked up by a DJ. That DJ flipped it, put a different, kind of different beat on it and became a TikTok hit. Saw that trending. And I was like, it is very interesting that these songs regardless of age, at any moment, an artist of any type of fame or obscurity could have one of their songs boosted out of nowhere. And I think that's interesting that that's the world we're living in. Now, I know that there was a lot of back and forth about how these, these songs were being used, kind of abused, because black content creators were doing the dance and then white content careers were getting famous for doing the same dance. Like, they would just take the dance and do it. Sometimes not even do it that well. And they would take them and do them and get famous with them. They worked to do some help to fix that. Will that ever get fixed? Not really. It's been the same story for decades and years. Like, go look at, I believe it's the Little Richard movie. And um, in that Little Richard movie, you see Little Richard kept putting his songs out. And then the record label, because it was much more blatant back then, they would go and get a, a white band, white group, to record the same song. And then that would get put on white radio. And this is going to take me into my rant of the day. This is a thing that happens. We understand it. We're taking steps to correct it. And now we have the vehicles to call these things out. I 150% have gone on this rant to other people before. I don't think I've done it on a microphone. The thing that drives me nuts about radio play is there are songs, popular pop songs, sometimes made by white artists, sometimes made by white black artists, but there's still pop songs on white stations. They will omit whole verses from rappers. They will get a rapper on the song to get it on black radio. And then when they play the song on white radio, they play the version with it edited out. We saw it with 
Dark Horse and Juicy J's verse with Katy Perry. There is a Schoolboy Q verse on uh, Tanache's song. Oh, it's really one of her like two songs. Uh, put uh, get you on that. There's a Schoolboy verse on that that doesn't get played on Urban Radio. I mean, on on pop top forty. Say with me, white radio. There is a uh, Taylor Swift had a song with Kendrick Lamar where they put Kendrick Lamar on it. I can't stand Taylor Swift. Um, I think what she's doing with her music and re-recording it to actually get the rights of her own music is smart. But, and I think Ashanti is doing the same thing. But with that being said, play have Kendrick's verse on there. I bet when she re-records it, it doesn't have Kendrick's verse. And it drives me nuts that they're leveraging black artists and to get them on. Now, they may be getting paid for it, but I know they're probably not getting any residuals off it because if it's not, if it's getting paid, played on one station and not the other, I don't think they're getting paid. Don't quote me on that. But I, it also probably depends if it's a remix. The same thing happened with the baby and Dua Lipa. Most recent example I can think of is Dua, Lipa, Dua Lipa's Levitate on black stations or urban stations, they would have the baby's verse. Now don't nobody had the baby's verse because he's screwed up his own. That man needs help. We'll get, that's a whole nother conversation of why does he keep getting, getting into altercations, bruh, you need some sage. You need to burn some sage over some crystals while they're charging in the retrograding moon. I don't, I don't friggin' know, dude, fix something, drink some holy water, sprinkle it on your foot, grab a lucky rabbit's foot, have a, have a rabbi bless it. Dude, fix something because you wild out. You apologize for it. I don't know how sincere that was, but you wild out, said some disparaging marks. That's the word I was looking for earlier. Disparaging marks, remarks about homosexuals. Not cool. You apologize for it. But at the same time, you got to stop fighting people. And I think, in a karma sort of way, things are coming back around to him. And so I don't know what he needs to get right with, what God he needs to pray to, what direction he needs to pray to. He needs some help. Pray for that man. That being said, um, my, my rant still stands. I don't like how that happens. I don't know what we do need to do to fix it, but I just glad I could draw some attention to people to say, no, that's not cool anymore. Don't do it. If you're going to appreciate the artwork that is a hip-hop artist on a pop song, especially since rap culture is now popular culture, appreciate it. Live with it. Do it. Don't abuse it. And then screw the artist out of possibilities to advance their career. And scene. Okay, that was the end of my rant. Thanks, guys. But <laughs> thanks for indulging me. That's my rant of the week. But I still, with all that being said, enjoy the heck out of TikTok and love what it does for music and can change the popularity and polarity of a song. Um, if it's a DJ mix, if it's the actual artist song and they just do a dance to it, or if it just becomes a fun, popular meme. There's actually callback. One of the uh, songs, I believe it's Ready for Love, on the uh, Full Court Press album is a contains a sample by uh, Chick Chic Chic um, 
that is a song that was sampled in a TikTok song, it first leveraged me. In my mind, I was like, oh, wow, they sampled the song from TikTok. No, stupid. They sampled the original song from the, I believe, 80s. And it was super dope. And I I just love that that is where my mind is because it is another vehicle for to find other songs that you can appreciate. I have a couple like lo-fi hip-hop songs on my phone now that were TikTok trends that are dope songs. It gives an artist, it's another way for an artist to break into be something. There was, an, there was a cool thing that happened. It was a cool story, but then we all realized it was just marketing, was a story of that ABCDEFU a, B, song that supposedly this girl was on TikTok and somebody commented, she was like, ah, I have writer's block. And I think it's, I need some suggestions for songs. And somebody put in the comments, A, B, C, D, E, F, U. And, or, or make a song about the ABCs, something like that. And then, so she demos the song on the next TikTok or on her TikTok live. And then makes the actual song and makes it a sound on TikTok. And then the radio picks it up and it starts blowing up. And now she's now well-known. She's now an artist that's on a radio all over XM Satellite Radio, all over Real hardcore traditional radio and yes eventually we did find out crap the person who made the comment was a marketing exec from the parent label to the label that she was signed to it was a setup i feel dumb but at the same time it was a cool story to believe in for a while it was a cool story to distract us from the normal crap and it wasn't just shoved down our throat it did happen People had to pay attention to it for it to organically happen. Semi-organically. Okay, it's a GMO. Give me a break here. So it GMO'd. It GMO happened. But it was a fun story for us to believe in the time. And our are other artists that have grown via TikTok as a as a lane and changed people's lives as content creators. So I think it's been pretty cool. TikTok is another outlet. Who knows what the next set, who knows what Elon's going to do with Twitter? Who knows what the changes to Instagram that are going to happen um, that are regarding like a full screen for you page, taking various things from, from TikTok. It's interesting. It'll keep rolling. And uh, with that, I think, I think we're in a perfect time to move over to technology. You guys ready to talk some tech? Technology. Coming from TikTok, there's two things that are going on right now that are really cool to me. One revolving around video games and entertainment, and the other video games in an immersive world. So this is very video game happy. I, during the pancetta, got really into back into Call of Duty. I had been kind of removed from the world of video games for a little while and just didn't have the time to put into it with the amount I was traveling. I got big into mobile games, but who doesn't every eight year old smacking your phone. Anyway, <laughs> I got big into call of duty because it was a way for me to reconnect and connect with people in general. During the, the pandemic, a lot of people were stuck in the house and reconnected with friends via online video games. I, 
got a text message from one of my friends and was saying, he put us in a group chat. He was like, hey, how's everybody doing? I think I actually, one of us started the group chat and was like, hey, just checking on everybody. How's everybody doing? Is everybody staying healthy? Is everybody staying in the house? And everybody was like, yeah. We had a couple people were like, eh, I'm in healthcare. I'm a nurse. I'm a doctor. Ain't really got, I'm, I'm struggling right now. True, true stuff. But I'll tell you what did happen is during the course of that texting back and forth with connecting from friends from high school, hey, any of you guys uh, play Call of Duty? And we were like, yeah. And I was like, well, I used to. I used to be all right. Sure, let's do it. Connected with them, and it took me back to when we were in my basement playing GoldenEye or we were in my basement playing Smash Brothers or we were in my basement. There was a lot of time in my basement. But that's because we didn't want to drive my parents nuts. So they shoved us down there and we had we had snacks and a TV. What else do we need? So it took me back to the times where instead of talking about it's just you and the boys hanging out. And instead of talking about what girls was cute, how well you did in the football game or the track meet last week. What the newest video on 106 and Park was, how good this girl looked in class. We were talking about 401ks. I'm telling you, we're old. We were talking about, yo, what's the investments? What is the things that we're into? What uh, What's your stock portfolio looking at? What cryptos you 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 knocking with? How's the wife? How's the baby? Oh, she's pregnant? Congratulations, bro. Not... The high school reaction, oh, she's pregnant, bruh, what you going to do? Nah. <laughs> it's it's celebrating those things in life. And it brought us back together to, to kind of give us a baseline of, like, yo, there's a reason we're friends. And there's a reason why some friendships last long, long times. And when you get busy with life, it's not always the greatest thing and the greatest feeling because you're cutting these people off. But it's fun to take time to remember why you're friends and to reconnect. And that's what Call of Duty ended up doing for us. That was a big thing for us. Now, what did it also realize? That we still get very involved and angry and emotional through video games. <laughs> that's what it's brought up for me. I've also come to realize that if I don't have the time to play six hours a day, I suck. There's no bones about it. I have fun playing with the guys, but I suck. And every team needs an anchor. Shout out to Tim the Tatman, which is why we're here. The other thing I got into because of playing Call of Duty, I started Googling like, yo, how do I get better? How do I not suck? I started watching gameplay and I realized there's this world of video game streamers that I hadn't tapped into, even though I had two on my show. Two hit points still rocking every Wednesday. Wednesday night, Two Hit Points is still rocking on Twitch. Go mess with them. Go bang with them. Those are my guys. I appreciate them. They're still always will always be the homies. And even to the point where one of them is the, is the person that hooked me up with my therapist. I appreciate all that. So with that being said, this world of video game streamers is interesting. There's beef, there's video game streamer beef, there is cheating accusations. It's a whole soap opera, but it's also entertaining. 
you see some guys that are cracked out at video games. I'm talking 18, 19 year olds that are making a million dollars a year buying crazy crap, buying Lambos and McLarens and everything else. And they're not always the best at playing video games. Sometimes they're just really entertaining. A couple of my favorite streamers are Tim the Tatman. My Alexa's going crazy right now. Don't know why. Tim the Tatman is by far my favorite streamer right now. Still playing Call of Duty. I got introduced to him because I was watching clips of Nick Merckx. Nick moved from Call of Duty to Apex Legends. Good for him. I'm not a fan of watching Apex Legends. Apex is fun to play. It's not as fun to watch, especially because you don't get as angry as you do with Call of Duty, to tell you the truth. Um, these large streamers have also made me branch out and see some other really good, cool, lower, lower tier. We'll call them lower tiers because they don't have 40,000 viewers every stream. But Lucci probably has couple hundred every stream maybe up to a thousand um stone mountain 64 uh i know i'm forgetting some really cool um pac-man uh courage well courage is huge and it also allowed me to see what these different organizations were phase clan i i knew of them who who hasn't heard of phase because of their interactions with the hip-hop hip-hop community actors musicians uh, entertainers, athletes, because of those interactions, everybody wants to be in phase. Lil, I think Lil Yachty's in phase, but it's different pieces. And it's a, made me aware of this world of competitive esports. I thought it was a joke, guys. I really did. I really thought it was all a joke. Like, hey, you getting a scholarship for esports? Anything that there's millions of dollars a part of, they can make a scholarship around it too. Millions. There's there's scholarships for like curling that does not pull in the nearly the amount of money that esports are doing. There is, I will say, an HBCU esports conglomerate network that I'm seeing bubbling. I want to help because I think it could be something amazing to rival to rival any of them any of the professional gaming leagues. But you need millions of dollars to get in these things. So, with that being said, um, I'd like to announce today that I'm planning things, but nothing's actually on the rubber to the road at the moment. It'd be awesome to do it. I'd, be lo I'd love to do it as part of Virtual Dopeness. I'd love to call on former co-hosts that work at video game companies <laughs> that are awesome people to help make those things unimaginable. The, the, the level of competition I've seen specifically around 2K and Madden on HBCU campuses was insane. One of my friends used to say to me, Paul, your, my recollection of you in college is getting together people to play Counter-Strike in the computer lab because the, the computer lab computers could actually handle it. Not, not our own computers. <laughs> So, and had the LAN infrastructure and network that we could play it on. It was awesome. 
I think every school should have that. Every HBCU should have that. You know, I'm a I'm an advocate for HBCUs. Morehouse to the day I die. So, with that being said, I think the right things are all of the tools are out there, and we just need to to smack them together. And I I encourage you, don't just think it's just twelve year olds watching this stuff. It's not just 10-year-olds watching Ninja on Twitch. They're grown men. Hi, I'm one of them. I'll have a stream playing in the background of working because these guys are hilarious. To hear them play together, it reminds me of the camaraderie I just talked about. Sitting down in a basement at its core playing with your friends. Just a positive feeling of you and the homies getting down. And that's not to mention some of the, the, the woman streamers that are out here killing. Tails is one I follow, I believe. Uh, there's a couple. I'm getting more and more black streamers. Swag is a huge streamer. I think he might be mixed. He might just be light-skinned. Um, Jay Smooth, King Richard. These are all guys that have gone and are making money and endorsements and everything else on Twitch, on Facebook gaming, on YouTube gaming, killing it. And the more they see it, the, that's what these kids are tapped into. They're not watching TV that often. They're on their phone. They're on their iPad. Sometimes when they don't, ain't supposed to be. And they're seeing these streamers and YouTubers kill it. And that's what they're looking up to. Not every kid wants to be LeBron James anymore. Some don't want to be swag. Some don't want to be ninja. Some don't want to be Tim the Tapman. He's a 31-year-old dad with 4 million people subscribed to his YouTube, his main YouTube channel. He has like five of them. It's not just a game anymore. It's real money being made. <laughs> so with that being kind of put together, it's an interesting world. And I'm glad I'm getting a preview into it. So I encourage you, go out, take a look. Who knows? Start up your stream. It's really not that big of investment to get into streaming anymore. You need a camera. You need a capture card or something to get the signal into your into your computer to stream on Twitch, to stream on YouTube. Heck, we want to do streaming for the podcast soon. And I'm, I've got the setup to do it. I just need to figure out a couple of logistic things and make sure my computer is going to not explode. <laughs> um, but you don't you, it, it's not. It's all there. It's at your fingertips, and it's getting easier every day. You fire one program. It integrates the thing over here. It puts your game up here. You throw an overlay on it. You're off and rocking, and people are donating. Then you got to promote. It's all about the promotion of yourself. Same thing with the with a podcast. If you can do a podcast, you can do a stream. and You don't even have to, the secret to it all, you don't even have to be a video game streamer anymore. They have streamers talking just like this on politics. And if you can promote it and you can be interesting, you can do it too. That's what I'm here to tell you guys. You can do it too. Don't just wait on me. You never know who the next big person is going to be. Could be you, buddy. I sound like Gary Vee at this point. <laughs> Last thing I want to talk about today is really quick the really cool things that I like about the meta. I got myself a meta quest 
Two, um, the one that you don't have to be plugged into, a VR headset, a couple handholds. It's been a lot of fun for me. It's so immersive that it's scary sometimes. You see these videos of people who are older running into things, people running into walls. That's the main reason I don't play the horror games, one, that I live in a pretty much a brick and concrete box. It's kind of creepy sometimes. That's why I don't do it all the time. That's why I don't play horror games. But the workout aspect is hilarious. I never thought I would strap on a VR headset with a couple of handholds and I'd be flailing my arms around looking like a crazy person having the time of my life and sweating my face off and enjoying the exercise. It's amazing. It's wonderful. I can't wait to see where it goes. The faster we get to Ready Player One, the better. Not so much Ready Player Two. You guys should, there's a follow-up book. There's a Ready Player One, which the movie was made about, and there's Ready Player Two. Side caveat, Ready Player One is possibly the best audio book I've ever listened to. Because, and, and maybe it's just the story, because the movie is a third of what happens in the book. And it's amazing. I'm about to go listen to it again. It's long and it's worth every minute. I'll never forget. I was finishing the book when I was in Pittsburgh for work. And I would literally leave the gym, finish working out, go back to my my room, pop open the speaker, start listening to the book, get it, do my shower and everything, come out and lay on the bed and just sit there and listen for hours. And then somebody would call me, hey, Paul, come down to dinner. We're waiting on you, idiot. Oh, my bad, guys. That's how immersive it was. And that story is incredible. Second one's good. Second one is solid. It's not as good as the first one, but it's very, very good. But the, the, the meta world that's being imagined, it still has a long way to go. And... I'm going to th- say that it's it's not going anywhere anytime quickly. Apple is supposed to be working on a VR headset. Sony's is supposed to be pretty good. Um, the 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 Quest, the Oculus Quest, now MetaQuest, is the gold standard still. There are some more out there, but now with the Quest Two, you don't need a computer to to do it. You don't need a gaming PC to run it. You can run things right through it. And the applications are endless. The most exciting things to me was, oh, we're going to start putting these 3D cameras at basketball games so I can sit courtside without paying $4,000 to sit at a Lakers game to watch them get beat by my Sixers. Ah! Sorry. Sorry. I take stabs. I'm sorry. That's what I do. I love my Sixers. And if this whole, if Embiid did not win MVP, if I'm reading this story right, it is a complete and total highway robbery. I'll get on that soapbox another time. But I said, I say that to get into the things that I've done on the quest, Beat Saber, the Star Wars stuff, the solo stuff has been awesome. I'm still a little weirded out by interacting with people in the metaverse. It gives me AOL chat vibes sometimes where people, I now, don't get me wrong, that's the era I was raised in. I had my AIM screen name. 
age, sex, location. If you don't understand that, you're too young. But I haven't got into it yet, partially because of probably my own social anxieties. Because it's not like you're text chat- chatting anymore. You're walking up to somebody and hearing their voice. In the pandemic, I wish we would have had more of these goggles because I feel like people would have felt less alone. And all you need is an internet uplink. I can only imagine what Starlink of being able to put high-speed internet into rural areas or areas that are not as accessible combined with an Oculus Quest will do to, to bring this world together. It'll start to break language barriers. Imagine when we can get some translation going. And then I can just talk to a person. Hey, my man in Wuhan. Y'all good over there? Is y'all right? It's not looking good. And maybe break down some of the barriers that we have as people. The world and technology is just going to make us smaller. Smaller places, smaller people, not in stature, but the differences we will find aren't as great. I believe people will have full-on relationships in the metaverse. We'll talk about sexy time in the metaverse another time. We'll get there. I actually did stumble upon a group that had a strip club in the metaverse. I don't know how that worked out. Of course, it was based out of Atlanta. What else are you thinking? Duh. But we'll see. I just, it's so inviting and entertaining. I'm just super excited for it. So that kind of wraps it up, guys. I've talked about a lot today. I had a list of categories where I can go and go and go. And that's good because it means I'm excited again. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to be on video. I know I haven't been making as much eye contact as I should, but I'm going to get there. Give me a break, guys. It's my first video in a long time. It's my first time I get to edit both video and audio. Super excited and cannot wait for what virtual dopeness has in store for the future. So for the first time in 2022, for the first time in the official new format, for the first time coming at you, Remember, as always, be virtual and live.